Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, the first, the first, 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 numero uno, the first NFL 2021 fantasy football video of the year. And basically, I'm just coming on right now. I'll take any questions if they come into the chat. We're doing this live uh, the day after the first day of free agency. Obviously, more stuff will come out today and tomorrow. We're kind of waiting right now for the wide receivers to set the market. Last night, we, we sort of got that a little bit, right? We sort of got that with Corey Davis signing with the Jets. We got that early on with uh, Nelson Aguilar. Two years, $26 million, making more money than Aaron Jones in free agency. Just just really stinks to be a running back these days when it comes to the, the actual monetary standpoint. And probably also just the, the amount of times you get hit in the head over your career. But we saw some guys start to uh, set the market. But these guys are not in the same echelon, right? What you're seeing on the screen behind me right now in the YouTube version is just some of these, the highest paid players, right? It's, it's sorted by just overall dollar amounts. Obviously, guaranteed money is going to be smaller than this money you're seeing. So these guys aren't going to, all of them aren't going to see all of this money, right? What's going on? Not set in the chat right now. How you doing, man? Hey, Sally says, what's going on? So you can see this sorted, but we'll talk about the fantasy relevant positions. Um, offensive line will be included in that, in my opinion just for what it's going to do to some of these running backs and, and, and quarterbacks, really, for the most part. But we saw some deals get done yesterday. Touching on those wide receivers, yes, the Corey Davis, um, in kind of a tier of his own, if you will, Nelson Aguilar, kind of a tier below that, I would say. These tier one guys, we're still waiting to see what happens on some of these tier one, uh, just top talented guys, right? We're looking at guys, um, obviously, we, we had a bunch of franchise tags in Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson, right? We're looking at guys like Kenny Galladay remaining unsigned. If you want to move over to tight end, Hunter Henry, who, who might be coming back uh, to the Chargers, but currently remains means unsigned, right? Looking at Curtis Samuel. So there's kind of a a handful of top wide receivers, right? Juju, Curtis Samuel, uh, and Kenny Galladay right now is those wide receivers that we're waiting on that currently are unsigned. And it seems like they're all waiting to be testing the market. Will Fuller as well, right? He falls into that bucket. Kind of your tier one guys. I would say Curtis Samuel falls in that Corey Davis bucket. So maybe he's kind of looking into that range now of what Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis got around that $12 million per year average, around that $9 million per year um, guarantee. And that's what you see from Corey Davis last night signing with the Jets. So we're still waiting on those. Those are some of the top like 50 wide receivers still out there. And you have just a smaller tier of wide receivers or the much lesser tier of guys, right? You're looking at your Sammy Watkins, your T.Y. Eltons, uh, these aging veterans, where I would say Nelson Aguilar, based on his season last year, was definitely a level or a tier above those guys. But they're kind of in their own bucket right now of wide receiver right now. Rashad Higgins falls into that range, right? Antonio Brown falls into that range, expecting him to resign. Um, we saw Kendrick Bourne, somebody in that range, sign a pretty, pretty big deal. Three years, $22 million at this point with uh, the with the Patriots. And somebody just said, Richard just said that Hunter Henry just signed, as we're live right now, a deal with the pa Patriots. And, and this was kind of I'm going to just verify this, but this was kind of something that people thought could happen. Uh, them really wanting to get back to the two tight end sets that they dealt with back in the day. So let's see. Let's just verify what Richard's saying is 100% true. So uh, here we go. We'll pull it up right now in the stream. So as we're live, look at this. As we're live moments ago, three minutes ago, literally right when we started this stream, you can see Adam Schefter's Twitter right here. Uh, and New England strikes again. So Patriots are just absolutely unloading the bank. When you have a lot of money, you can do what you want to do, he says. Uh, the Patriots are signing the Chargers Hunter Henry, three-year, $37.5 million. They've just put a lot of money. $25 million of that is going to be guaranteed. So free agency's top two tight ends, Henry and John, who easily the top two tight ends in free agency, by the way. Like Robert Tonyum, not really going to hit the free agency market right now. Um, easily the top two tight ends uh, in free agency. I really can't even name another like top 100 tight end that we have out there. Jared Cook's out there, right? Gerald Everett's out there. I think that's it. I think those are the only other tight ends that he would even say. Gronk obviously re-signed. He wouldn't even have been one of the top two tight ends, in my opinion. 
Yup, just got the notification on Henry. He did, says Harry. Yeah, so what's going on, everybody in the chat? I see we're starting to fill in. So there you go. We, we can kind of look through what New England's doing right now. We could factor this by um, just the teams here on uh, over the cap, or this is actually spot track that we're looking at. So let's actually, so let, let's look at what New England's done today. This is going to probably take a little while to update that news on Hunter Henry, but we can just kind of visualize this. Let's just look at the money that they've been spending. So obviously they got Jude in the outside linebacker from Baltimore. That's fine from like a defensive standpoint for fantasy. I don't really care as much on that one. John Smith, they signed to a pretty big deal, right? 12 and a half million dollars per year they basically pay john smith they basically just paid hunter henry um as if they're kind of that, that, that level two wide receiver right the Corey davis money the nelson aguilar money the probably curtis samuel money so it's interesting it's interesting that what they're building right now assuming that we had cam newton as the quarterback right he resigns there we'll see what they do in the draft but assuming that he's a day one starter i think this is beneficial I think this is beneficial from a fantasy standpoint. So we can start in New England, and then we'll kind of go position by position. Starting in New England just means starting at the tight ends, really, right? Um, this is going to be beneficial. We have Hunter Henry, who's been hampered by injuries, like honestly, each of the past three seasons that he's been out there. But when he does play, he's one of the top 10 tight ends in the league. And you can say he's a borderline, what, top six, top eight tight end in the league when he's actually out there and playing. Cam Newton utilized in a major way, 100 and plus target seasons, Greg Olson in the prime of both of their careers while they were with the Carolina Panthers, right? And I would say that you're probably getting... In both regards, more of a, I would say both of these guys are an upgrade to Greg Olson right now. Of course, they're kind of like that new tight end crop, not yet the Darren Waller types, the Kyle Pitt types of coming out that type of wide receiver tight end, but they're in that range of like your, your, your mini, your mini Travis Kelsey's John o. Smith, just like an absolute freak after the catch. Here's some of the things that I worried about with John o. Smith specifically uh, when he signed with, with the New England Patriots. Obviously you're going to have concerns about Cam Newton and then they signed Nelson Aguilar and, and Kendrick Bourne and basically just redid their entire offense, right? Signing four offensive pieces right there alone, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and they might not be done come draft time. But what you're going to be getting here now is the original concern for me was, yeah, John Smith, he thrived in, in this play action offense to where he was schemed open a lot. They did not use him as much as they should have. They did not use him as much as they could have, in my opinion, used him a lot as a blocker in a team that wanted to run a lot. So the concern was coming now to the New England Patriots. He seems still to be probably the top receiver 1A, 1B with Hunter Henry on this team right now was what happens when the play action goes away? What happens when it's a little bit more Cam Newton rushing in the red zone? Uh, that was a little bit of my concern. This kind of gets alleviated now, seeing what this Patriots team is, is basically doing, just building their offense right now. Um, I do think Kendrick Bourne was, was a, a nice signing. The money might have been a little bit high, but he's a solid slot wide receiver, a reliable slot red zone target as well. He's not elite. He's nothing like that. He's the poor man's, the very poor man's Curtis Samuel, who was also on the market. Um, he's not going to be as flashy in, in the end around game as a Curtis Samuel, but he's going to be the guy you put in the slot. He's going to play in the slot 75, 78% of the time like he did last year. And he's going to be out there and be consistent for you. So yeah, seeing what New England's doing right now, um, people can like scratch their head and shake their heads at it. But when you have a lot of money, you can just blow it on some things, right? Um, I do not think a lot of the stuff that they're doing is, is bad decisions. The money that they paid Nelson Aguilar is a lot. Uh, but when you want to just secure a guy, he's kind of that... They didn't, they didn't want to pay Corey Davis. Corey Davis is looking for top-tier money. He's not in the top tier, but he's looking for top-tier money. So when you look at that next tier of guys that is in there, Will Fuller's in top-tier money, right? Obviously, Galladay's in the top tier. And then it comes down to kind of Curtis Samuel and Nelson Aguilar in the same range of guys. And Nelson Aguilar just ended up setting the market, right? He ended up having a big year last year. You get out of Philadelphia, you get into Las Vegas, and he ends up having a big year. And now New England's kind of looking for that on their own end. They can't keep going with Nikhil Harry, who can't get, get downfield and get separation now after about a year and a half after being injured his rookie year uh, in the NFL. You just can't keep going with that, right? Obviously, you're not going to be relying too much more on Julian Edelman at this point. It doesn't seem anywhere near that. Your second overall receiver can't be James White. So they ended up fixing that with some reliability. Yeah, I honestly, I'm probably in the minority here just because of the money and the contract side of it. 
for some of these guys. Um, but I honestly, I'm, I'm enjoying these moves that they're making right now in terms of how they're clearly trying to set up their team uh, for Cam Newton or a rookie quarterback with these next one, two. I mean, you're signing two and three year deals with these tight ends. Um, three-year deal with Hunter Henry and then like these four-year deals with Johnny Smith, which you can obviously get out of in like two years. Um, but yeah, I would say that this is a interesting situation that I'm actually there for, but let's actually, so let's move up now and let's start to look at some of these things that happened just in terms of overall dollars. Yes. Due to the Patriots, a lot of money fine. Joe Tooney though, somebody that they lost, wasn't going to be able to resign. It seemed pretty evident once they were doing all this stuff. There's talk that they might franchise tag him did not happen. Kansas city gets him after dropping some of their offensive linemen. I think it makes sense. I mean, he was never anything great last year, Joe Tooney. He was like, borderline like a top 50 overall pff graded uh offensive tackle the reason why or offensive guard the reason why he was more valuable one it was just a, a thinner uh, a thinner market out there for guards in this free agency class but the second reason i would say is he's both good in the pass blocking and run blocking so he's not just a great pass protector he's also good when it comes to run blocking so he's a little bit more versatile and i think that's why he got a little bit more money outside of there being obviously um more of a a demand than a supply in the marketplace of guards so i think that's fine you can see some guys resigning with their team outside linebackers, Shaq and, and Leonard Floyd. But let's talk about Corey Lindsley, and then we can specifically talk about uh, some of these position players out there. Josh asks in the chat, Sal, you making some March Madness brackets? Yeah, I am. I haven't watched a second of college basketball in about two or two and a half years, um, but I'm in some college um, basketball brackets, mainly because I think game theory-wise, I can beat the average Joe out there because the average Joe out there just takes a bunch on the dogs when they shouldn't take a bunch on the dogs because favorites are favorites for a reason, um, and then they're going to like take Gonzaga. Like If you're taking Gonzaga to win it all, and you're, and you're trying to actually make money, I can't think of a, that's probably the worst possible thing you can do. Gonzaga's being picked like 40% of the time to win right now. They're not going to win the March Madness bracket 40% of the time. They're just not, right? Their odds of winning, I think from like 538 was like 24%. So they're clearly overvalued because of the number one team. There's teams like Michigan and other household name teams that are being clearly overvalued out there. So there's your, there's your March Madness drop for you. Um, if, if Gonzaga is currently a winner, you should probably change that if you actually want to have a better chance at winning, especially if money's on the line. So let's see what we have going right now. Um, moving down now. So Corey Lindsley, we can touch on Corey Lindsley. Obviously more moves coming out right now. I'll keep updating the Adam Schefter side of things on my end over here. Uh, but Corey Lindsley was massive. Highest paid now center of all time. The Los Angeles Chargers get him. They're building the the uh, the, the older, <laughs> the, the former Green Bay Packer line. They're still having Brian Balaga. But I'll tell you why Corey Lindsley is pretty impressive. Because Corey Lindsley not signing with the Green Bay Packers, they haven't used a franchise tag in like, I don't know, a decade, a decade and a half. So it makes sense that he wasn't franchise tag. They just don't like doing that. One, it is kind of unfair to players, right? Just getting a one-year deal, not getting to lock up your long-term viability. And then also it's going to be a lot in general. Make a group on ESPN, send the password in these live streams. Yeah, I don't don't really want to be in charge of commissioning a a bracket, to be honest with you. I'm not the biggest fan of March Madness. I know that's like a a hot take, just not. I don't find college basketball entertaining. Uh, But obviously, whenever you have bets on or anything like that, it gets a little bit more entertaining. But Corey Lindsley for the Packers, former Packer, signs this deal now. Pretty big deal. Highest paid of all time, right? 12 and a half per year, five-year deal. Guaranteed money in, in the $26 million range. Good for Lindsley. He was great. He was an all pro. He was fantastic. But there's reasons why the Packers didn't sign him. And it has nothing to do with his skill set, right? They just, one, they couldn't afford him for their priorities of getting Aaron Jones. I'd probably take Corey Lindsley over Aaron Jones, in my opinion. But centers, if anything, are easier to replace in the draft and in free agency. And we've seen it before with these Packers. Uh, they've been able to just produce higher performing centers each of these last really 10 years, 12 years with Aaron Rodgers. But they just paid a lot of money to David Bakhtiari on the line. So investing in your line a ton of money. Yeah, it's going to be a good idea for you. It'll give you a window, especially with Aaron Rodgers. But how much money in what position? They have Elkin Jenkins, who has two more years left on his deal. And then they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Based on his first two years of his career, he's arguably one of the best offensive 
lineman in the game right now he's gonna have to be paid a lot a lot of money so it's kind of prepping for that right um, one of the better i would say uh, pass protectors last year not as good in the run blocking game just kind of average there but one of the better pass protecting offensive linemen in the league last year uh, one of the best guards in the league so they're gonna have to be paying him love it gonzaga will not be winning for me yeah there you go i mean just leverage wise right i don't even care if you think gonzaga is the best team of all time leverage wise their odds of winning are about 25 percent. they're being picked about 40 percent that you, there's no point for you to be picking them you're, you're not giving yourself any positive leverage even if they win it all you're still not going to win the bracket because that many people are picking them just a bad pick um so yeah lindsley going over there for justin herbert you love to see that lindsley up front is fantastic in a lot of different areas right i mean this is the top it's rare you see these types of talents hit the line or hit the the free agency market it's just the way that it ended up working out this year for what the packers were prioritizing lindsley was arguably a top 20 offensive lineman last year when you take into account what he was able to do in the run blocking game Corey lindsley was arguably one of I mean, I'm not going to say the best offensive lineman in the game because Wyatt Teller was fantastic last year. David Bakhtiari, his teammate, was fantastic. Zach Martin continued to play well when he was actually out there. But Corey Lindsley, after that, top five offensive lineman in the league last year. He's elite from a run blocking standpoint, elite from a pass protection standpoint. It's going to help Justin Herbert, who was kind of running for his life at times last year, one of the most pressured quarterbacks last year, but was also really, really good even under that pressure and under that duress. So yeah, I think that this signing in terms of Corey Lindsley going there, I, I, I tweeted it yesterday. I think that this is probably the best signing uh, that we have seen so far in free agency. The best sign that we've seen so far in free agency, in my opinion, especially when you take into account, yes, he's the highest paid, but that's just what happens. The salary cap goes up, except for this year, but in future years it will be, so they can kind of forecast that money to be there. So that's some of the big offensive line moves. Like That was probably the two biggest so far. There's guys out there in the offensive line still, right? We're obviously waiting for the big ones to potentially fall and become official on um, what's happening with Trent Williams, right? He's unsigned right now see if anything official comes through there. But outside of that, from an offensive lineman standpoint, there's, there's not much else out there. Like Rick Wagner is a free agent. Um, Villanueva, offensive tackle, unsigned out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We already had some guys re-sign with their teams as of right now. So uh, the offensive line, that's about it. That's about it that's on the market from like top guys. Russell Okung, yes, Seattle. And then Carolina, he's kind of just been bounced around this year. Uh, being a weak tackle market and, and guard market in general already, outside of like the three top end guys, two of them already signed. I don't think it's that... Um, interesting, I would say overall, especially for what you're going to have to pay for them. Like Russell Okun is probably not going to be worth whatever his contract is just because there's not many guys out there right now. So we already talked about the tight ends that went to uh, New England. Let's talk about, let's talk about some of these wide receivers. So Corey Davis going to the Jets last night, he signs a three-year, uh, three, $37.5 million contract. He gets the guaranteed money in the 27 million range. This is kind of similar, uh, I guess like per year wise, it's, it's a little bit less money, but kind of similar to what you were seeing Randall Cobb get last year. And normally I would say, oh, that means it's a really good deal because Corey Davis coming off of being efficiency wise, one of the best, very quietly best wide receivers last year. Um, but also the Texans clearly massively overpaid uh, for Randall Cobb in the slot. So it's not like a one for one comparison, but yeah, you want to look at what Corey Davis did last year. Corey Davis ended up playing, I mean, 13 times out of the slot last year, ran about 26 routes per game. And he saw 23% target share in Tennessee, a team that was running a lot of play action passing, a team that was running a lot in general. He ended up finishing fourth overall in our, in um, yards uh, per route run. So uh, an efficiency metric overall, just to kind of tell you how much separation they were getting, how good they were doing after the catch. And I think that that's very appealing. So I actually liked Corey Davis from a standpoint of the Packers didn't have the money, but teams like that, see if the Packers can go to him. He ends up getting the money that I think he wanted maybe a little bit more, maybe in that 14, $13 million a year range, but Corey Davis getting the 12 and a half to lock up the extra year. Uh, there's talk about him doing a two-year deal line sets up that three-year deal. So now what do you have with the Jets, right? What you currently have going on with the Jets is you have Denzel Mims on the outside. You still have the, the security in the slot right now. Um, nothing really at this point in the backfield, but 
we'll see what the quarterback is, right? We'll see who they, they end up taping, taking, if it's going to be a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields, or if they're going to be sticking with Sam Darnold. It does not seem like it's going to be Sam Darnold at this point, but we'll see what happens after the draft. I think you're setting up a nice team here. You're setting up Corey Davis, who was able to actually get some nice separation last year, was able to actually get uh, from, a, from a catch standpoint, yards per reception, contested catch standpoint was fine. He was, he was slightly above average from a contested catch standpoint, but it was more so how much separation he was getting. The one thing I will say, though, is that the, the play action often in Tennessee, like it helps all these guys, A.J. Brown, like it helps Sean Smith, it helps um, it helped a ton Corey Davis. And obviously playing alongside the opposite side of A.J. Brown really also helps a ton. So Corey Davis had a great year last year, but I'm a little bit concerned about like if my team was to invest in him with an uncertainty at quarterback, I don't know if I would like it. If you have a, a certain quarterback that you feel and you trust, if it's a Patty Mahomes, if it's an Aaron Rodgers type of a guy, I feel more confident in Corey Davis and getting the best out of him, right? Ryan Tannehill was a, able to do that last year, aided by play action passing. I'm not so much secure that definitely not Sam Darnold can get it done. And we'll see what these rookies can do. Like Corey Davis is not your um, security blanket, if you will. Neither is Denzel Mims. They honestly kind of grade out as similar players, right? Uh, Denzel Mims taken at the end of the second round. Corey Davis, the overall, the, the former top 10 overall pick in his draft. They kind of have similar skill sets for you right? Just speed, downfield guys. Uh, Corey Davis, probably more of the possession receiver if you're going to choose one there, but it's just setting this team up pretty interesting, right? In the slot, you still have that security with Crowder, but it's setting this team up to be pretty interesting is all I would say right now because of the quarterback situation you have. You're kind of building this offense for an established quarterback who has um, confidence and the ability to throw in the middle to intermediate, and Sam Darnold doesn't have that, and trusting a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields to do that right away it could be risky. It could pay off, but it could be risky. So Corey Davis, interesting signing to the New York Jets from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, it's going to depend on what this quarterback situation is going to look like. Right now, I don't like it for Corey Davis. I would actually probably rather him be the number two still in Tennessee with that play action passing and the security in that in, in that system with Ryan Tannehill. We can move down some more now. Um, really not a lot of positional players going off the board yet, right? So we, we had those couple. We obviously have Aaron Jones re-signing with his team, the former team, the Green Bay Packers. So um, we, we can talk about what's happening there. But you have Aaron Jones re-signing with the Green Bay Packers. That was good to see. Um, in, in my opinion, a lot of people were surprised that he ends up re-signing with the Green Bay Packers. They said all, all during the season and then once the season ended, Aaron Jones said he wanted to be a Packer. The Packers said they wanted Aaron Jones. And you might seem like that's all. It's just hearsay, right? That's what every single team says. That's not what every single team says, right? Um, a lot of times you see some negotiations back and forth, hardball being played. Look at Juju Smith-Schuster right now, right? Guys wanting to be out of where they're playing. Look at J.J. Watt. Um, no, in terms of the culture of the Green Bay Packers, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Zadarius Smith, who quickly a free agent uh, pickup at the beginning of last year, quickly has become like a captain and a personality in that locker room. Then you have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and both of those running backs are a part of this team. I would not be shocked to see Jamal Williams. I know we put on Instagram that he's gone, but not be shocked to see him come back to the team and take some sort of a pay cut. It would be surprising with what they took draft capital-wise and are paying A.J. Dillon and what they just paid Aaron Jones. Uh, but four years, $12 million per year right now, obviously not all guaranteed. Uh, that's your average year earnings. But yeah, everything's great. Aaron Jones, yeah, you got him in Dynasty. You got him in season long this year. He's still a top 10 back, borderline top five back. He's been finishing in the top 10 the last two years. Obviously, his big touchdown year last year. And what you're seeing this past year was he missed some games. Aaron Jones ended up missing some games out there this past year, and he still ended up finishing as pretty easily a top 10 back, still ended up producing good touchdown numbers for a Packers offense that easily was in the red zone. And in this MVP season for Aaron Rodgers, he was going pretty, pretty hard at getting those goal line touchdowns to Devontae Adams. And that became a staple of their offense more so than the year before when it was Aaron Jones just running in three and four yard touchdowns all game. So it'll be interesting. What this does for A.J. Dillon is it obviously blocks him. Um, they can get out of this Aaron Jones contract in two years. At that point, A.J. Dillon's in the league for four years. Uh, he's just a dead body right now in Dynasty. Like you, you have to hope for an Aaron Jones injury. 
and they don't sign anybody else. If Jamal Williams doesn't come back, I don't think they sign anybody else. They might draft somebody late in the draft. Um, but AJ Dillon, he's not the same type of back as Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, not this past year, but the year before, was the number was a top five. He was number three overall pass catching running back. Aaron Jones was actually number four that year. So that's a good pass catching running back who can get in there in two minute drill. Who's really really good at pass protection. These are things that AJ Dillon coming out of the draft pass protection was decent, right? Pass catching, not great. Those are things that are going to have to get shared up. So Aaron Jones on the field more in two minute drills as of right now, it makes sense. Aaron Jones pass protection coming out of college was absolutely brutal. Now it's gotten a lot better. So you're going to be seeing Aaron Jones uh, look a good amount more um, for him to step onto the field this year. AJ Dillon though. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be the backup. There's actually an upgrade from last year. He'll probably still split 60, 40. He'll probably still see himself as of right now, if nobody else is signed in this backfield six, eight touches a game, kind of take on that Jamal Williams role, just a little bit less in the target share standpoint. Also to be said that I don't expect AJ Dillon to take a step forward in pass catching. Uh, He had a couple of drops in the backfield last year, just kind of on swing passes, but he also had a couple of passes where he was not terrible um, on after the catch, but the history of running backs coming out of college that did nothing uh, catching the ball is not great. Like you have Melvin Gordon is like one of the only ones that came out and he got Philip Rivers. So that's really going to help you and actually had something nice to his, his game in a pass catching standpoint. So yeah, from Aaron Jones standpoint, locked and loaded he continues to be a, a, a relatively younger running back. He's not 28, not 29, right? Relatively young running back. Um, and he's locked and loaded now. And I, I don't think that this was as much of a shock as I think a lot of people are going to make it out to be because literally like a half hour after they ended up allowing him to test free agency. He never got to free agency. They said they'll allow him to um, maybe a little bit more of a, a market or a negotiation tactic. Half hour later, Adam Schefter says that the Packers are trying to work still on a deal for Aaron Jones. So um, I don't know why people were shocked that he came back after that. Uh, Patty Mahomes isn't going to be the same as last year's fellas, says DC. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know in what standpoint that's referring to. Obviously, they're losing some weapons on offense. They lose three offensive guards. They get one back in Joe Tooney. They just signed to the five-year deal. I mean, the weapons, the quote-unquote weapons that they lost to Sammy Watkins, who was rarely out there for them, probably won them a Super Bowl towards the end of that game, but rarely out there for them. Um, Demarcus Robinson, who's just been kind of a red zone guy, who's a flyer, a good blocker and run in the run game, but nothing major there. An aging, sure, an aging right now, Travis Kelsey, but I mean, that's just kind of a narrative driven thing right now. I know he's 32 and not going to have a career year again, more than likely, but still Travis Kelsey. Like, I don't think he's just going to fall off of the cliff from being career year to being nothing in one year, right? So, yeah, I think that they're going to be making a splash. McCall Harmon does not seem ready for the big leagues, if you will, um, not from a, a separation standpoint by any means. He, he became flashy his rookie year because people like the speed and what they saw early on, first game of the year, has a, a pretty big return, and then he has that touchdown. But I think Patrick Holmes will be still fine, right? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Ritzler, now with a better offensive lineman and second year in the system and healthier. And that's not even counting what they do by getting at least one weapon. Like, imagine if the Chiefs take on Curtis Samuel, if they end up finding a way to get that worked into their cap. Just absolutely nuts. Going down a little bit more now, and just some of the positional players, like, there's not much left here. Um, Nelson Aguilar signing that deal with the Patriots. We, we, we touched on it earlier. It's just meh, right? It, it, they probably slightly overpaid for him, but that's just the, the market that they were in this year. They kind of, it seems like, wanted somebody like this. This kind of puts the nail in the coffin for your Nikhil Harrys of the world. He'll be uh, sent over to the bench. Nelson Aguilar, yeah, he had a career year. He was kind of up and down last year, but towards the second half of last year, he was clearly the number one receiver on that team ahead of guys who were banged up during the year, the rookies and Henry Ruggs um, and, and Brian Edwards and those types of guys ahead of also somebody who was banged up um, last year in the slot, Hunter Renfro, but you had a really nice year from him. He ended up averaging the seventh most yards per target last year, 10.9. He was second only behind Marcus Valdez Scantling in yards per reception at 18.7, 20th in yards per outrun. So this was a quality receiver, right? A 48 receptions, 896 yards on the season, ended up posting eight touchdowns, about 12 fantasy points per game. 
quality receiver is probably slightly overpaid for nothing that i'm like too flashy on for fantasy i would rather lean on your hunter henry's and your john smith's both of those guys now getting cut into since they're playing on the same team john smith a lot of people who was like a top eight top six tight end option now in, in redraft formats um, not going to be the same case anymore when hunter henry uh, arguably to me is the better tight end upside wise in dynasty i'd rather have john smith but this upcoming year give me hunter henry uh, those guys are going to cut into each other to be basically like your top 10a 10b uh, tight end right around that number for me Kendrick Bourne, we already talked about Jamal Agnew. <laughs> uh, Jamal Agnew got actually got decently paid. Look at this. So he's like a fullback who, who also transitioned into a running back. Jamal Agnew um, last year was on the Detroit Lions. He ends up getting paid only $4 million guaranteed, but he gets three years, $14.2 million. Not bad for Jamal Agnew. Um, I'm not sure what the veteran minimum is on his. I don't know how many years he's been in the league. Um, going down a little bit more now, so we can talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Jameis Winston. I was expecting Winston to get signed. Um, the, the analysis is going to be, oh, he's going to be splitting with um, he's going to be splitting out there with Taysom Hill. I think it's going to be a lot more Jameis Winston than people are expecting. Jameis Winston, if he secures a starting job, which I fully expect, as long as he doesn't blow it away, they guess if Jameis Winston throws a bunch of picks, then it's going to be more splits with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill probably comes in the red zone like he did with Drew Brees and, and scores a couple of rushing touchdowns, two, three on the season. Maybe throws one in, right? But for the most part, I think this is Jameis's team. I don't think like you're going to be seeing speculated this offseason that they're going to throw in between the 20s with Jameis Winston and then use just Taysom Hill in the red zone. It worked last year. He had a lot of rushing touchdowns when he filled in. I don't think that's going to fully be the case right now, right? In terms of team buying uh, and just how this can work. If Jameis Winston is good next year, he will continue to be the same starting quarterback, same starting quarterback. And I believe that Taysom Hill will just come in uh, as often as he did with Drew Brees. Because Drew Brees stunk is why Taysom Hill was on the field more. Yes, there's natives that Sean Payton liked him, but because Drew Brees stunk is why Taysom Hill, in my opinion, was on the field much, much more, right? If Jameis Winston does not stink and can actually throw the ball downfield, like we've seen out of Jameis Winston when Drew Brees could not, and can actually uh, be protective of the ball in the red zone, which is something that we have not seen from him, but if he can do that, I think he's going to stay on the field more. I'm gonna, I think that'll be my bold call. Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback will lead to less Taysom Hill on the field because he's actually better than Drew Brees at this point, than the aging Drew Brees is what Jameis Winston can be if he is. So yeah, I guess that that might be a hot take because it seems like people just assume that there's going to be like a college football team running the NFL where where Taysom Hill is just running in between the 20s and has like 12 rushing touchdowns. Maybe, maybe, but that would be pointing to something that's never happened before in the past decade or two of football and even more than that in the NFL. So I'll kind of lean on the side of that's not going to happen. Um, and right now it just seems like a clickbaity and things like that. Uh, Fitzpatrick goes from Miami. He's going to retire. Then he signs a $10 million deal. You'll love to see that $10 million deal for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if they've released a guaranteed money on that yet, but he goes to Washington. Um, really not much competition there, right? Um, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. I, I, I assume that he um, ends up beating out like Taylor Heineke or whoever it was who was in the playoffs last year. I assume he beats him out. Yeah, Taylor Heineke looked good for two quarters before getting hurt himself. We'll see if that can actually hold up for an actual entire season when a team has um, act, a week to prep for you and not just like you coming into the game. Fitzpatrick is somebody that I actually like um, continues to just be the journeyman trying to play for every single team. One year, $10 million is really not much to say there. It, it is what it is. He's going to, he's going to sign up, do whatever he has to do. Gronk signs. He said he was going to test free agency. That clearly was never going to happen. Devante Booker. Um, so Wayne Gallman is likely going to be out with the Giants. See where he goes. It could be interesting depending on where he goes. If he goes to a Miami or something like that, Wayne Gallman was pretty productive last year. Always been a pretty quality pass catching running back. Devante Booker is going to be taking his spot as the backup being paid $3 million a year for the next two years behind Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Nothing really there for Devontae Booker. Sure, draft him late in your um, season-long drafts. Assuming that Wayne Gallman is gone based on this money that they're paying him as a backup in Devontae Booker. Draft him in your season-long drafts late, right? Like you had the Mike Davis behind Christian McCaffrey last year. If you had Wayne Gallman last year behind Saquon, yeah. I mean, just draft him late in your season-long drafts. That's about all his impact will be. And then Carlos Hyde is probably somebody 
the last guy that needs to be talked about um, earlier in free agency. We saw some other guys signing a $4 million deal, uh, one year deal for um, Tyrell Williams from the Vegas to Detroit Lions. I think that's fine. I think that's okay. Um, really no strong stance there. If Galladay leaves, he gets a little bit more juice, of course. But Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde is one that we can talk about on the screen right now. He signs a deal to get linked back up with Urban Meyer. He was there, I believe, at Ohio State with him. Two years, $4.5 million. He's not getting signed much, right? They guaranteed this guy $1.4 million over two years. So he can be cut. He can be not used. They don't have any incentive to put him on the field. James Robinson is the big deal here. Does this take away from James Robinson? Um, the guys behind him last year, James Robinson, in my opinion, they were more inexperienced, but they were better than what Carlos Hyde is right now. Carlos Hyde just offers you security in terms of probably not going to be fumbling for you in terms of, yeah, you need that four yards per carry. He'll go get it. So I do think that James Robinson takes a drop down. But that drop down can be instead of being the number two or three running back, whatever format you played in last year in fantasy, he can be the number eight or nine running back, right? James Robinson is still fine for me as a top 10 running back this year as of right now, because James Robinson is still going to see a large percentage of the snaps and carries, right? James Robinson, if you want to look at his opportunity share last year, I believe, um, I don't know if Derrick Henry took it over later in the season, because I know they started to give like Blossom game and some other guys touches over Derrick Henry, Henry, like, uh, famously when he was going for his record sat out one of the fourth quarters last year james robinson number one in the league in opportunity share 85.2 percent of the opportunities last year absolutely nuts right he had 17.1 carries per game he had the seventh high snap share so his opportunity share of being number one last year with 240 carries and 60 targets 300 opportunities on his team that's going to drop but if he goes from seeing 240 carries and 60 targets now right 60 targets being borderline top 10 if now he goes to having let's call it 210 carries and 50 targets, 260 overall opportunities. He's still going to grade out as a very productive back. James Robinson was a productive back last year. It wasn't just that he got the volume. He actually did stuff with it, right? He ended up finishing last year uh, with about five yards per touch, which is top 30 in the league. He ended up finishing last year fifth innovated tackles. Now, obviously, the more touches you get, that's like a counting number, but still 79 innovated tackles, 5.6 per game was very good to see. He had a top 15% juke rate. So he's a quality player last year. Sixth in yards created. Again, a lot of overall touches is going to give you more opportunity to accumulate more yards created, but you get the point. He was productive with his touches. So yes, Carlos Hyde being there, I do think is going to take away from the 85% target share or uh, opportunity share. I think that that might drop to 75, 80%, which is still going to have him out there as a top 10 running back, assuming that he has like an average year on the ground from a touchdown standpoint. He had 10 total touchdowns last year, ranking 10th amongst all of the running backs. That's about it. Mark Ingram signs for a one-year $2.5 million deal. Only 500,000 of that is guaranteed. So assuming he makes the roster at the end of cuts, nothing really there to point out. It's Mark Ingram. He's dust at this point. He's going behind David Johnson. I don't even know if he'll be the backup running back as much as they're just getting him there for $500,000 to be kind of a coach and moral support in the locker room. I think that that can be something that's there. They're trying to rebuild the culture in in Houston right now. If they can keep Deshaun Watson, hopefully that's one way to do it. Rebuilding the culture doesn't just mean... um, up top in management it also means in the locker room and Mark Ingram is one of the better as it at least seems from his time with the Saints and Ravens one of the better locker room guys if you will in the league so that can be part of the investment $500,000 guaranteed to rebuild that culture nothing else is there that's about it that's about it right now Philip Dorsett signed his deal with Jacksonville I don't think there's going to be much there uh, on the bone so that's what we're waiting for right now that's all the stuff that we've had um, some of the top free agents that we're still currently waiting on is a lot of these receivers kind of uh, waiting for each other to, to drop the ball and see who gets paid first the most Will Fuller um, Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, and Juju Smith-Schuster up top. Kind of, you can say Samuel's not in that same tier, but those four guys are what we're waiting for up top. And there's some lesser, um, flashy guys: Rashad Higgins, T.Y. Hilton. At this point, uh, these guys might get one or two year deals. Um, I don't think it'll be veteran minimum, but somewhere around there, Sammy Watkins, right? Uh, but outside of that, most of the tight ends are already taken and secured. This was a weak running back free agency class, a very weak one. I think we just have like Chris Carson and Kenyon Drake out there right now in the free agency. 
Baron Jones locked up. I believe that's probably all you're going to be seeing out of the running back free agency. Let me just see if there's anybody else down the list. Kenyon Drake and Chris Carson appears to be it in the top 75 free agent running backs out there. James White. So yeah, I guess James White is another one. James Conner. I don't really expect much out of James Conner at this point in his career, to be honest with you. Um, and then Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's actually a sneaky one based on where he's currently ranking. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. This is just kind of the recap of what happened yesterday and also this morning with Hunter Henry signing. Those are the takes from a fantasy standpoint. Um, we'll kind of recap all. This is the first video we're making for the 2021 season. We'll get more consistent with the NFL fantasy videos. I mean, obviously, when we get closer to the year, I'm not the the deep dive dynasty guy um, in terms of making videos every single day for it. But I do think that this is going to be a pretty interesting year for us in terms of making content, obviously, still for the NBA, uh, obviously, for the PJ. But the NFL, I mean, the drafts at the end of April will probably be more consistent with content right around that draft when it ends in May. Uh, but I want to be popping up for free agency for some big moves and obviously the NFL draft. So thank you for tuning in to this live stream. Hopefully you all enjoyed. If you're watching the recap, please like, subscribe before you go. And we'll see you all in the next one. We got some NBA live stuff coming out throughout the week, every day at 4.30 p.m. East Coast time from a DFS perspective, right? We cover DFS every single day on this here channel. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate the people who hopped into the chat. You all rock, and I'll see you all in the next one.